A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Raw Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. Wow. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, Make sure you subscribe to What Cool Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Monday Night Raw, but also Brand House, Fire Trail, NXT, Duper, and AW Dynamite. This is Rampage, baby. Pay-per-views, <laughs> premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on Wrestle Culture. As I said, though, joined by Sidri to look ahead to Raw tonight, the go-home show ahead of Hell in a Cell this coming weekend. But... I've not had a chance to speak to you since AEW Double or nothing. We'll obviously probably go into more detail on this on the Dynamite preview later on this week. But it finished about two hours ago, it feels like. So what did you make of Double or Nothing? It was an incredibly uneven show Mm. where there were some things on it that were just absolutely awesome. One of which was just completely iconic immediately. Some things that were actively really bad and some things that were just made boring and just I had no patience with because I expect through the standards this company has operated at previously just way more killer filler ratio like the filler on this show is like come on absolutely unnecessary at points um should I just waffle for five minutes yeah knock yourself out right two seconds what I'll do is I will bring up uh, the card in front of me. Whilst you're doing that, I'm just going to make a quick note because we were talking about this in the preview, by the way, uh, previewing the show about how you say, you know, ideally AEW would make shows a bit more like New Japan. So they sort of build, 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 build. And it felt like last night they sort of accidentally did that. Like the first half of the show, I was very much like, yeah. And also looking at my watch going, good God, there's another like nine matches to go and we're already an hour or so in. Yeah. And then like pretty much after like the 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 house of black match was really enjoyable but i'd say the the turning point for me was ironically the moment the the american top team match ended it yeah. felt like the show really sort of hit the ground running was that the same for you yeah pretty much identically um one thing i will say is that if you i'm like just the babies the absolute babies in my mentions like if i don't like something quite as much as you do who, who like don't take it as a personal attack. Yeah. Well, don't you know what you should do, Sige? You should stop enjoying wrestling. Uh, sorry, stop analysing wrestling and just enjoy it. <laughs> I, 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 I honestly just want to throw my phone through the window. 
when I saw that, it's like, are you joking? Suddenly, like, I have no insight when my opinions are negative, but when my opinions are positive, yes, loads of insight. Like, just babies, absolute babies. Like, I understand that a lot of people, the vast majority, in fact, will listen to and read takes positive and negative and we'll be able to see a bit of insight or if they don't agree they can at least say it respectfully i disagree and here's mm. why yeah there's a guy honestly in my replies who i think is i i was tempted i think it may be the same guy i quote tweeted because i do try and avoid this but sometimes i just get like encouraged to the <laughs> by the worst part of myself to say it so I said, right, I don't think this is a particularly hot take. This is jumping ahead. I'll go through the chronology as quickly as I can because I know this is only the bloody raw preview, and I'm knackered. Hmm. Uh, I said that CM Punk's two attempts at the Buckshot Lariat were legitimately laughable, pathetic, humiliating. <laughs> like, you will not see attempts at a move that bad in legitimately like any other main event level of pro wrestling completely took me out of it. And he's in this person, like, another word. <laughs> it's like, I said, all right, okay, well, you're in denial. Mm. And he's like, ah, F off. No, I'm not. Watch them again. And I went, like, he fell flat on his fucking ass. <laughs> like, he made a tit of himself. Like, you can't say that it was a good bookshot lariat. Like, you're literally in the denial stage. You're so deep into your psyche and what you like about things that you will literally deny that it's bad. Mm. You cannot possibly, you can maybe say, right, if in your head canon, if you want to make it better than it was, that CM Punk's buckshot lariat was intentionally bad because it's Hangman's move or something. And it's like, think about the story they're telling. And I hate to say this, but <clears throat> it ain't that deep, bro. <laughs> if you're a professional wrestler, who calls himself the best in the world, and you are challenging for a world title on a pay-per-view that is built as the most important accomplishment in your career, why would you do anything that makes you look like a bad wrestler on purpose? It makes no sense. People badly need, badly, 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 badly need to familiarize themselves with the concept of Occam's razor. Yes. Sometimes, and trust me, I will pull loads of story threads to bits and I will apply meanings to them. When it's halfway earned, think about it, man. If he's the best wrestler in the world, clue, it's his catchphrase, wrestling for the world title on the main event of a pay-per-view, why would he do something as a deliberate storytelling choice that made him look like Nia Jax? <laughs> yeah, maybe the first time me and Hamlet on the stream sort of went, Oh, maybe he's selling exhaustion or, you know, his knee gave out or something like that. I've seen and then when he went for the, the second time, the same thing happened. We were just like, oh, no, he's just bad at it. <laughs> yeah, he's just absolutely abysmal at it. I've seen matches like Pac against um, FTR alongside Penta. Nick Jackson, New Japan Dominion 2018. I've seen uh, Great Sasuke, Justin Liger. I've seen moves, right, be botched on purpose to inform the story of a match. That was not it. No. And it hit the book shot, and he did a slapstick, unintentional comedy spot, and I buried it to be consistent. And someone said, no, nah, it was fine. And it's like, oh, you're on drugs. 
Anyway, let's chronologically go through this for 10 minutes and talk about Raw for five or something like yes, that. Yes, if you, if, you, if you don't want any spoilers, by the way, skip forward 10 minutes and we will not be talking about any results after that. Yes, absolutely right. Danhausen and Hook versus Mark Sterling and Tony Nese was really, really fun and it was compact and it was uh, everything it needed to be, which mm-hmm. is a theme that will continue on to the next match. Um, Danhausen escaping and being slippery and witty from Tony Nese's offense looked great because Tony Nese is like a propulsive, super athletic guy. Smart Mark Sterling got dumped on his head. It was a feel-good match. Everyone played their role superbly. It did not outstay its welcome. There is literally no such thing as a pre-show match, generally. These things don't actually exist. They are just matches that, for whatever reason, didn't make the card. This, however, was a pre-show match. It was something incredibly short, fun, compact, that just got the crowd in a good mood without making them make any real noise at all. The most perfect platonic ideal of a pre-show match. Wardlow and MGF, I suspect we'll go into the MGF saga in more detail on the Wednesday preview, so stick around for that. Um, this was hard to rate as a wrestling match, because for me, it didn't scan as a wrestling match. Like so much of MGF's stuff, it doesn't... One of my pet hates in a, in a wrestling match, right, is where they tell every beat of the story of the wider feud in the match itself, like... The struggle, the confidence crisis, all the rest of it. It's like you've been through that pretty much. This was just the last scene in the story. It didn't have to be anything other than this relentlessly cathartic powerbomb festival because the dickhead heel had literally run out of road. There was nothing for him to do. Why would why would Wardlow sell? Why would the fans buy the idea that MGF was any kind of threat when he saw all of the stuff that he was throwing at Wardlow throughout the build. I suspect circumstances played a part, but I really don't think the match would have been too dissimilar had MGF not done what MGF did. This is perfect, and I loved so much the Wardlow as all of the graphic because this has been a consistent thing and a nice marketing tool whenever someone signs, they get the is all elite. This is the best one since CM Punk. Like, just to see the CM Punk thing after that month of just wonderful fantasy mm. and the viral marketing campaign, just to see that was just something else. And it was a similar effect here. The fact that they've used this as a tried and true thing for like three years at this point, or over three years now mm. at this point, it was just wonderful. It was just genuinely wonderful. And it really hit home how good the storytelling is. And I was really, really upset by Young Bucks versus Hardys. It was not good at all until the last five minutes. And it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like the Akada slow burn where not a lot happens, but what Akada's doing the whole time is he's just slowly exerting how much of a master he is. And then by the time the finishing sequence and the comebacks happen. The, the opponent of Akadas just looks like amazing for bringing the fight to him. That's why he does the five to 10 minutes of slow control. This was what 12 minutes of genuinely pretty bad, not on the same wavelength. Is Jeff Hardy actually okay wrestling? A glorified handicap match with some decent sequences, but just so glacial, so below the Young Buck standard. And then you got five minutes at the end where they ate loads of super kicks. And look, I will again use my. The objective, critical voice that I tried to aspire, obviously there has to be some subjectivity in it. I'm not the BBC, Mm. but the crowd were really into it the whole time. They loved the Hardys. Mm. I never really liked the Hardys that much after I turned 16 years old. So I will give it 
I will acknowledge that they are really over and the fans were into this throughout, but I just thought some of the work was so shoddy and it was genuinely sad. I saw this result coming as well through the story of the match. I'm just thinking, what are you doing? This is literally the best you will ever get out of the Hardy Boys and it was the worst Young Bucks match in AEW. So what the hell does that tell you about the near future? Mm. Something very scary indeed. Uh, Jade Cargill and Anna Jay, another massive disappointment. The Rampage match was much better and uh, so that wasn't ideal because if you're building a series or you're having a rematch, you expect it to improve on the last one. So not only was the execution not as good as the last match, but like there were two spots, the two best spots were pretty much beat for beat recreations of the best moments, but just not done anywhere near as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with the jaded counter into the sort of um, Queen Slayer. It was just really clunky. And a victory roll one as well. The exact same two counters, um, just nowhere near as well performed. I thought the post-match was over, but ultimately I thought a lot of the messaging got lost because it was in convoluted AEW style. If Stokely Hathley was going to debut, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be absolutely amazing oh. better than anyone thought possible. But for God's sake, give the guys a moment. It was diluted twice with the debut of Athena and then... Um, uh, Chris Statlander getting a baby face moment to shine as well. Mm. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. That's just my phone. Um, I screen locked, so I don't know how to work this laptop, so I didn't think it was going to be. Um, anyway, I'll just keep moving on. The House of Black versus Death Triangle was fantastic, yet they've got better in them, I suspect. Mm-hmm. It was still like an absolute banger, easily at the four-star level. What I loved about this, I, you know, stereo dives, ridiculously convoluted, Apron Destroyers, Poison Rawners, like Malachi Black and Pack. Apologies to those who've read my star ratings. I'm kind of excited <laughs> at this point. Um, but that's, you know, I can't have more than one take. So what the hell are you going to do about it? What I loved about this, they didn't just have the general devices they do in a trios match to make people lose their mind. And they were executed superbly. But like Pack and Malachi Black wrestle like they are seconds or nanoseconds or just a slight few degrees off from breaking one another's necks. But they're not. <laughs> they're just masters the, the snap germans and i just genuinely think watching those matches or i genuinely feel rather that oh my god don't do that you're gonna break each other's necks and then they don't because the masters it just feels precise impactful nasty dangerous just absolutely expert expert craftsmanship of the ro- of the wrestling art um what i really liked about the storytelling as well there were two occasions where they got rid of Brody King and Buddy Matthews and the way they sort of arranged the showdowns when it was three on one, they made Malachi Black look like the big bad. They mm. made him look like the guy who has to be separated and kept away from his stable mates just to beat. And I thought like the blocking really did well to get him over. So whoever had that idea for the spot and whoever agented the match, like really deserves massive mm. For making Malachi look great. Um, Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe was mid. It was not a prestigious tournament final at all. Um, it just felt like a dynamite match, and one of those dynamite matches where you're like, oh, it's good, not one of the best dynamite matches. Mm. It was a tournament final on a pay-per-view, so it felt really lacking for me. Um, the elements of it that were good, it's obviously two great wrestlers not working their best match, but they're still great. So you get moments like Joe turning Cole inside out with a lariat. Cole's great at bumping, but honestly, his super kicks against Joe's injured shoulder was so piss weak it's joe <laughs> i mean i'm not i'm not trying i'm not fat shaming him but he's like he's a he's a unit he's a big lad yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of surface area and he's worked a very physical style for a number of years what i'm trying to get at is that he can take a super kick to the shoulder and making it look good adam cole looked like he was doing it to a kid he was playing wrestling with it was not good at all i'm selling my stock in adam cole 
big time. I didn't need the TV finish at all. Um, so that was a disappointment. Baker, Soho, the first 10 minutes were out. I can barely remember anything that happened. Um, Britt Baker's, she didn't get lost and messy. And you know, when the certain Britt, Britt Baker matches where it's like, what, what are you doing? Mm. I've lost the thread of what you're trying to do. And I think you've got lost as well. This is a more simplified version because I do sometimes think she doesn't work to her strengths. But equally, um, the offshoot of that was that it was basic this time around. Mm. The last three minutes were really, really strong and dramatic. The crowd was into the last three minutes, but that sharpshooter was absolutely diabolical. But ultimately, they did the presentation with the special entrances. One was more special than the other. And Martha Hart's speech was just absolutely wonderful. Just to see the beaming smile on her face genuinely looking like she was having a great great time without detracting as if this would matter but like it was just gorgeous like really beautiful stuff and she still conveyed the importance of the achievement while still having loads of fun so still loads of gravitas it was just an immortal pro wrestling moment uh one of two on the night the uh trios match the worst thing about it right is that there was one cool perfectly timed spot and it's when sammy Guevara super kicked take conti into another dimension like what do the kids say into the shadow realm or yes it looked awesome fully committed and then i realized the second later all right i was meant to enjoy that on the basis of oh Britt baker uh sorry take on you have sex therefore you're a bitch because i don't i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna boo you for being a sex haver because you know I'm an incel, which is apparently the crowd they're playing to, and I find it absolutely abysmal. Yeah. So what I realized, oh, that's why people popped, or that's why you were meant to pop. Uh, nuts to that. The whole match was rubbish. Kazarian was actually decent value, and he piqued my interest, but overall it was not particularly good. My God, I'm. Sh- it will get fun. Genuinely, it will get great. Definitely. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Darby Allen, put this on dynamite in the opening slot and it is amazing and the crowd yes. nuts but it was deep into that epiphany where it's like jesus christ how many more matches are left you could go back and watch this in isolation and it'll be a better experience even if the crowd wasn't really with it until the very end some of the stuff was great i think mm. the very best spot of the night happened here the guillotine from the low pay was just sick absolutely ridiculous the physical timing was incredible um that was awesome the coffin drop was awesome. And the fish hook, how nasty some of the strikes were. That was some of the work in this match was genuinely excellent, but it just didn't really stand a chance. Mm. And ultimately it didn't belong on the pay-per-view. And again, it's when there's a massive core problem, this core problem is going to infect on a micro level lots of little different things. And that's just a reality of a roster this size. I think this match was only on because they want you to still believe that Darby Allen is a pay-per-view worthy attraction worth paying for, because it's obviously going to be a big sort of part of their plans in the years ahead. And maybe they thought can't have a pay-per-view without him because that might stigmatize him as a guy who can miss one because he's inessential. But again, it, it just is too goddamn long at this point. Thunder Rosa, Serena Deeb was very good. I was a bit mm-hmm. surprised at the praise. I saw people calling it exceptional. I think Meltzer did. I don't think it was that good. It was a touch lethargic during that middle where it was a bit baggy. But the actual work and the storytelling, other than, come on, you can be a bit sharper in here, I thought it was like really, 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 really strong. Um, Serena Deeb's neck work genuinely thunder rosa looked like she was enduring a plight and because mm. she pulled it so well and because the storytelling and the heat spot was so good that when thunder rosa started like striking her when she was trapped in the serenity lock and things like that 
like it genuinely looked like a fight, like a, a real technical wrestling fight, unvarnished scrap, really convincing. Um, again, if they just picked up the pace a little bit quicker, I'd be a lot kinder to it. But this is when the pay-per-view gets mostly awesome. Um, Anakin in the arena was a masterpiece, best thing on the whole show. Uh, it was so much fun. And it was like a Memphis Territory, like dramatic deep dream team collaboration is how I put it. And then it became something completely uniquely, like uniquely, sorry, AEW in that, that shot of Eddie Kingston. Oh, staggering down the ramp. I don't know how he's done this. He legitimately, and I don't know how you do this because it's it should be ridiculous, and in anybody else's hands, it would be ridiculous. He walked down the ramp looking like, and he did it credibly, authentically, legitimately, like he wanted to actually kill a man. And I don't yeah. know, I do not get how they <laughs> actually scanned as believable. It was incredible. This match was awesome. There's so many awesome like spots in it, obviously, with the power driver on the ring steps, the barbed wire plunge, uh, the ladder stuff. But the tone was just absolutely remarkable. Like, uh, I don't know how they crafted this in a way that it didn't feel crafted at all. Mm. It was going off the rails, but it was like controlled chaos that they've actually worked. The tone was absolutely magnificent. I'm having an absolute nightmare with this lock screen. I'm sorry. This is a bit of a chaotic podcast, but <laughs> I've been up for pretty much uh 24 hours at this point so Please. forgive me um what was i saying mate just the chaos of anarchy in the arena oh, yeah it was just absolutely class like absolutely class like they did so well to work it like it wasn't worked at all like it was a genuine fight and the production felt like they were capturing things like by accident it was like it just didn't feel contrived like i loved stadium stampede but this is like the live action version of it mm. where it was like a one take thing where there were no pre recorded segments. And it's like, right, we've got the luxury of recording, pre recording. It's a cinematic match. And it could have felt you can't do that in real time, except you can because we've just seen it. And it was absolutely thrilling as a result. So intense, so bloody, um, so iconic with that Kingston visual, like great spots. And if there was assembly that the of those spots, like the, the production team did a great job of cutting between, so it just felt like they were happening. And uh, like the table spot with the yeah. superplex, um, it just really felt like that was just happening and he didn't see the table set up. So it really was just a masterpiece. And the best thing about it genuinely, apart from the Kingston bit, apart from Danielson F-bombing at the top of his lungs, was uh, the Kingston Garcia brawl. It was just so nasty, so visceral, so realistic. Like it was so pissy as well. Like just absolutely phenomenal stuff. Um, I thought the three-way tag match was absolutely tremendous as well. Yeah, I've seen matches that flow a little better, and there were some spots that didn't look totally clean. But in terms of the drama, like this is weird. This actually benefited from um, like the pretty weird build and the fact that Jurassic Express aren't the most credible champions, and you probably would have taken either of the two challenging teams to win because deep into this match, which was like mind-blowing at its best, um, just so much fun as well. But like deep into the match, I couldn't really pick a winner. Mm. It's not the ideal thing, I guess. You'd rather have the complete package. You'd rather have like, a great long-term storyline and maybe predictable winner, but the one you want or totally unpredictable. But because this was just so... Three good teams have a match. That was the general pitch, yes. being honest. But as a result, I just didn't know who was going to win. And Ricky Starks is so clever. He did a sort of 
Uh, it was a slingshot Rochambeau. And usually when A, you're doing, a, when you're doing a variation of a finish to make it like a quasi super finisher, you have to get the three on that. But not only did he get the best near fall of the night, arguably, other than the one, other than, there's about three amazing ones. Um, but this is probably the most impressive because I just think it was so smart. He debuted a super variation of his finish in effect, which made you think, oh, Christ, if he's pulling this out, that has to be the win. Mm. But he protected it because there wasn't a kick out like Luchasaurus made the save. Um, this is genuinely class, so exhilarating. I was just into every single second. And the main event was an excellent, if flawed, match, except the flaws didn't really matter because they had me after I was legitimately cringing with embarrassment for CM Punk. Mm. Like it was all those two spots, uh, those two botches were genuinely unforgivably bad. You will not see wrestling at this level or at most independent levels that bad anywhere else it was pitiful i felt sorry for cm punk you're not meant to feel sorry for the guy who's this beloved icon returning to professional wrestling all over again after seven years mm. calling himself the best in the world beating the guy who's been established as the guy in all elite wrestling doing two botches like that it was just genuinely unacceptable um, the fact that he's done it twice, if it was once, like he didn't do, he, he successfully did the first one on TV, like in terms of he didn't make a tit of himself, it didn't look good, mm. but he did it. When you fail it once, after you've already made it look a little bit rubbish on telly, don't do it again. You <laughs> will not see something that embarrassing. Like I was cringing. You don't want to cringe for the guy who calls himself the best in the world, who's beating your day one prospect because it makes better business sense. I, that took me out of it. And then Punk, because he is genuinely great when he stays in his goddamn lane, um, he did a 2.999 kick out that I just, he could not have left it any longer. Mm. And it was genius. The genuine story of the match did play off somehow like a really confusing and not particularly great build when they were getting each other's heads. I know Renfrey is sucks, but there's a good and bad version of everything. Um, But just... You know, I'm a counter guy, but they were like sort of anticipating moves as distinct counters, where it just genuinely felt like you could feel their game plan in front of you. You can almost see the sort of restless nights they've spent sort of strategizing ahead of the match, like within the body of it. It was just genuinely great, apart from when it was incredibly deflating. Um, look, I don't need to be told the Hangman page is probably going to get another rain, but I'm allowed to be disappointed that this one ended in the mm. fact did he was still my champion um i just kind of wish this happened a little bit earlier i just wished tony khan had sort of exercised restraint when aggressively expanding this roster because it just feels a little bit like this is wasteful you've spent your very first show building to this moment building to this rain and when the rain happens you know maybe that's a generous take on behalf of page maybe he didn't step up because ultimately someone did appear like a massive megastar in spite of this bloated roster, and that man was CM Punk. Mm. Maybe I'm disappointed. I don't think the fans were fickle. You're allowed to like both. And the the, the, the atmosphere was really absorbing, uh, really intoxicating, really fascinating. But I just felt a little bit sad on behalf of the guy who I've bonded with as a character for three years, and I'm allowed to think that. Overall, worst AEW pay-per-view since... Uh, fans came back basically. Revolution 
2021 wasn't great. Full Gear 2020 was amazing. All Out 2020 wasn't great. So they had a mixed record during the pandemic, which is still like astonishing that they did greatness in those suboptimal circumstances. But certainly since fans came back, this is the weakest pay-per-view with a lot of filler. And that concerns me about the direction of the company because even when this roster was streamlined, right, even when there was less to play with, even when there were less bodies to have to cram onto the card, these shows were already long. And the mm. fact that they've signed now Athena, Roosh, like Cesaro and Gargano are probably coming in at some point. These shows are going to be in six hours long when all said and done, mate. Mm. But nevertheless, very excited to see where they go next. We will talk more about that on the Dynamite preview on Wednesday night, of course. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Right, let's look ahead to Monday Night Raw tonight. Uh, the go-home show ahead of Hell in a Cell, to use a Michael Cole phrase. Uh, switching gears now, uh, Michael Sidgwick. Um, a very much WWE-style go-home show. Looking at the notes for this one. Uh, we've got a contract signing for the handicap match between Bobby Lashley, Omos, and MVP. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, Bobby Lashley will probably get sent through a table. Um, what can they possibly say? Like, what can they possibly say? Um, you want to match Bobby at WrestleMania. You want to match at WrestleMania Backlash, but there's two of us now, so your chances of winning have been reduced by 50%, and they will... It is 50%, isn't it? I'm terrible. Yeah. yeah. And the commentators... Maybe, honestly... With storyline details, I don't need help. With maths, I do. So maybe I should be a little bit more forgiving of people. But that's what they're going to say. 
and I've got no interest in this feud. I've got no interest in seeing Amos wrestle ever again. Um, they've prolonged this because it's so funny as well. They've prolonged this Willborn and various other feuds, and by that I mean virtually every single one of them mm-hmm. from WrestleMania season, with the idea being, right, okay, we've got a certain collection of fans. Let's call them mocks who will lap up anything because they have no discerning taste whatsoever. Um, and this is a problem affecting AEW as well. Hold on to a goddamn higher standard. They'll want to reach it someday. They've thought, right, let's keep this one ticking along to the, do the, um, the obligatory trilogy. And, uh, yeah, let's just do two more of this, even though no one wanted want really to see it in the first place. Like Bobby's over. I'll maybe I'm being too cynical or with the idea will born of, because we can reset the stories and do some new stuff when we're in stadium show season. <laughs> well, you're not because you can't flog tickets because you're doing absolutely boring stuff like this. Mm. You did fresh, exciting new directions up and down the card. Obviously, if a long-term story warrants the time and it has the fans' emotional investment, do it. Do it. Don't drag out bollocks that's boring that no one's into and creates no buzz because what you'll get is people not buying tickets for your stupidly ambitious and arrogant stadium shows that you think will look pretty, that you think the optics will make WWE look big. You can't be big if you're crap. You can if you're WWE, but only to an extent. Mm. Like, only to an extent. You'll get that baseline number. You'll get those ratings somehow. You've If you've, if you've kept this baseline of fans since the absolute worst of empty performance center raw like that's it they they are not going away so well done well done you've won enjoy the money i hope it makes you very happy but the (laughs) reason why money in the bank was downgraded downgraded embarrassing from a stadium to an arena is that yes it was stupid to compete with ufc but realistically how much of a chance did this have it's money in the bank it's a b-level pay-per-view um the reason is because of how bad or forgettable or bland or nondescript this segment Willborn is guaranteed to be tonight. Yeah, I completely agree with you on this one. I mean, like you say, they're going to say, oh, without me, you're nothing. And then he'll say, oh, well, no, you were nothing. You were, you'd fallen back into nothing until I came along and, and raised you up. Well, now I've got a big monster who you've already beaten on several occasions. But now I'm the difference maker. I don't care. I just no. don't care about this match. I don't care about this feud anymore. Like you say, it was finished at bloody WrestleMania. They maybe gave it an interesting twist by having MVP switch sides. You've already done it again on pay-per-view. I just do not care. Not the necessarily antithesis of that, but certainly my opinions to it are very different, are Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. I thought that obviously the match at WrestleMania was sensational. I thought they justified the rematch not only in setup, but also in execution at WrestleMania Backlash. And now you've got the stipped-up Hell in a Cell. Is Seth going to get a measure of revenge? Is Cody going to go 3-0 and on pay-per-view sort of thing? Uh, he's set to respond to Seth Rollins' attack. And I sense, looking at this show, that means a lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, hasn't he already cut the go-home promo for this? They've Backstage established- last week, yeah. They've established why it's happening with the thinnest pretext they've really kind of desperately struggled to get fans to go ah! like that noise when the drop hell in a cell and like they had to pipe in the crowd um noise there's just 
it's one of those it'll be absolutely tremendous on the night these guys have got incredible chemistry almost approaching born to wrestle each other level chemistry uh, but ultimately when you tell bland stories that feel padded out for very cynical reasons you get things like the go home promo um that you got however many weeks ago it was now and you do a attack and because wwe i've said this a million times they don't tell stories there's, there's no beats there's no twists nothing gets intensified there are very few layers to it it's all very talk heavy they establish premises and then they loop around those premises beat down same again say the same words do <laughs> beat down repeat the premise like look what we get with edges stable they do nothing ever ever except establish the premise behind the stable why they've come to exist what they plan to do and they do the same thing every week because this company is absolutely hopeless hopeless at actually telling stories so uh cody will cut a good promo he mm. will it won't necessarily register with me as a great one because it'll all be familiar uh, familiar content expert delivery yeah exactly i mean i don't need to be sold on this anymore i know what Seth Rollins can do with the bad feud inside Hell in a Cell, let alone something like this. I'm really excited for this match on Sunday. It's one of the few ones that I am excited for. Um, but like you say, it's a three-hour show, and that means they're going to have to do a lot of talking. And, oh, my days. Do you know what I'm really looking forward to? Because our sleep patterns are all over the place, Stige. All those video packages they're going to put in on tonight's Raw to remind you of everything that's happened yeah, since yeah. April. Yeah, <laughs> skip, skip it. Absolute skip. Um, what else have we got? Uh, do you know what? Another thing I am looking forward to at LNSL, I'll say this. Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. Now, they haven't advertised anything for tonight, but I think what they need to do as a go-home angle for this show, um, and I suspect, like you say, they're probably going to set up a Judgment Day six-man with the new Bullet Club, basically, on tonight's show, but there's no need to. They're going to talk bollocks and and then... Maybe the three, the Bullet Club can actually look after each other. Finn Balor last week just being like, well, good luck in the beatdown sort yeah. of thing. And previously with Styles and Balor not helping uh, not helping Liv Morgan. But anyway, yeah, Kevin Owens versus Ezekiel. Just more just spitting, sweating, angry Kevin Owens. Why won't anyone listen that this is the same person? And I'd have Ezekiel because this is something that you can promise and then not deliver on and the fans... I mean, they'd accept half of them would bloody accept it regardless and defend whatever WWE do. But I think even the most casual fan would know, you know, nod, nod, wink, wink. We're not getting this. But I'd have Ezekiel say Elias is going to be at Hell in a Cell and then just have him say, I don't know, he's had car trouble or whatever. Or, or you've just missed him or he was watching backstage or something like that. Because, yeah, just I've got to say, we, we've, we've heaped praise on this before from when ezekiel i was gonna say returned debuted on the raw after wrestlemania i think a lot of us went right and they've got it to this so credit to him and that's that's credit i should say to ezekiel to kevin owens and to the likes of chad gable yeah they've all been tremendous in this again again i'm just sad that the crowd the play along during the bits where they are being actively encouraged to play along with a bit of the audience call and response but when ezekiel's in the ring they're not really behind him because he's a bit boring. I've got very little hopes for the match itself at the pay because 
Ezekiel Elias, he's very much it. And then the bell rang guy. And the thing about, and then the bell rang guys is that they ain't going to get any better between the bell, when, especially when they've been in the system as long as mm. um, Ezekiel has. If he's anything like his brother, Will Bourne, it's just <laughs> going to happen for him. I've got nothing to say about this because they haven't really given me anything to preview. So I will leave you with this before we move on to the next thing. What if, like, the guy who plays Elias, I don't actually know his real name, what if he had like a, a, a little brother all along and he just thought, yeah, are you you got a twin? No, he just really looks like me. And what if they thought, you know what? What if we train him? What if we train this lad who we've just discovered three years ago for three years in secret in the performance center and we'll debut him when he's good and ready and we'll take Elias off TV and at Hell in a Cell 2022, we will create one of the biggest wrestling moments of all time. <laughs> like this absolute master plan for three years in the making. What if we pulled this off? It would be one of the best things ever. Legit. Yeah. Imagine that. It's not going to happen. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm delirious through lack of sleep. But they should do this. Like, if a wrestler has a twin, right? Say, right, keep that twin and like put them in witness protection. <laughs> Train, like, fly the most give deep non-disclosure agreements ndas to shibata uh yes brian myers like just people who are genuinely known to be excellent trainers right jerry lynn dustin rhodes like a, every name trainer in the business right at the secret warehouse facility with like five rings it's train this secret twins brother up the twin has to be the other, the guy who actually wrestles has to be good at this and then blow people's minds with this. The doink mania spot, but with Elias and Ezekiel. Absolutely. If there are any twin wrestlers out there reading this, right? If you want a bit LTST, <laughs> just don't acknowledge that you have a twin in the business. The other twin can train in secret. Now, I know we were going to, I thought we were going to be struggling through this preview considering, you know, what's happened last night and sleep and all that bollocks. So I have got a game for you. I've got another mini game before the big game to come. Uh, and that is a game we regularly play when previewing WWE shows, Michael Sidgwick. And that is, will this match ever finish? And that's Bianca Belair versus Asuka. Now, I know we sort of got it, what, two weeks ago, even though we got like two minutes and then Becky Lynch just ruined it. It's being advertised tonight. Bianca Belair versus Asuka. There's a bit of ill feel, ill will between the two of them because it was going to be them two and then Asuka lost the match to Bianca and accidentally kicked Bianca in the face. On paper, this is a phenomenal match. But yes. you sense with the spectre of Becky Lynch hanging over it ahead of the triple threat on the pape, it's only going to end one way. Yeah, I'm getting a bit tired, Will Bourne, so I'll level with you. Becky Lynch is going to do commentary and it's probably going to go to a non-finish after 10 minutes. Or at the very least, the finish you know, is not, is not going to be Asuka or Bianca Belair clean as a sheet, hitting their finish, one, two, three, with no apron-hopping distraction from Becky Lynch. And nor should it be, because you're building these challenges for the pay-per-view, which is why the match shouldn't exist, even if it's the best version of itself. should not mm. exist. But it's not going to be the best version of itself. It's going to be a corny version of itself. That's <laughs> going to end when Becky Lynch, on commentary, interferes. Is it any wonder the can't do stadiums for anything except WrestleMania or maybe SummerSlam and the Rumble? Like, is it any like even the quarter form? Are gonna be anyone's there? Mm. 
Um, we've also got a what they called championship contender match. Uh, this is coming off the back of finished. Hmm? Is it still not finished? Well, so I haven't watched SmackDown full disclosure since from Friday. Why would you? I I read the read the spoilers and saw that that Nakamura is now partnered with Riddle. Um, so he's taking sort of taking Randy Orton's place. I I assume it's one of those where. I said when they did the the championship, the tag, tag team unification match, which was really good, I said, oh, well, they do that, obviously. Usos win, and then you run it back at the paint, maybe sticked up with RK Bro, and then that that's the line drawn under everything. Now, by all, well, from what Riddle's been saying, Orton's been just sort of struggling through, and he's taking some much-needed time off to heal from injuries. I don't know to the, the extent of, of, of how what that's, what that's actually reflecting real life or what or whether they're just going to do a gimmick and bloody orton's going to come in and rko everyone or what but nakamura and riddle is an intriguing team and it feels like i mean looking at the bloody elena selco there's only like four matches or something on it it feels like they have to get the win tonight to justify some sort of tag team title match at the pape although i think putting it a sell this last minute would be a bit cheeky yeah yeah i don't want to make of this like, I haven't listened to a journal or read a tweet from a journal, a blue tick or a Malta who's never got verified for whatever reason. Um, so I don't know the legitimacy or the true severity of Orton's injury, but you know, Riddle versus Shinsuke, why not? Um, Shinsuke can take the fall because I think they've got Riddle in mind for Reigns at some point, maybe just possibly. Um, Sami Zayn can. Do some bollocks, and it'll be amusing to cost Dusos the match at Will Bourne commercially the game. Yes, because finally, it's being reported. I don't think WWE have actually advertised this, but when have they been known to advertise, you know, their TV show uh, and the stuff that's going to be on it? Lacey Evans is supposedly in action. Now, Lacey Evans is just intriguing right now because we had all the, the you know, very real, uh, very hard-hitting, difficult to to watch and listen to sometimes promos and vignettes of, of her upbringing and they're sort of revamping her as a character then they oh no they then they have her on smackdown and they do the whole you pieces of sh- here's lacey evans yeah. everyone stand up and applaud her and you think oh it's a bit heelish all this are they already turning a heel we already thought they were going to after six months of this gimmick well that's that's fast even for them then they switch her to raw then they seemingly get a little bit cold feet, understandably, on making this national hero triumph over adversity, you know, inspirational mother character a baddie and not the good baddie like Jay Cargill's not right. So now I've no idea what to expect from this. Yeah, nor me. And if WWE just told stories, we wouldn't have to have the same conversations all the time. Let's see who she's going to face. Exactly. I have the WWE alumni page open up in front of me, Michael Cedric. I'm scrolling through it. Whenever you are ready, say stop, pick a number between one and four, and that will not only pick her opponent for tonight, could be an intergender match. Hey, anything can happen in WWE. It also may give us a clue as to whether or not she's a babyface or a heel. Are you doing it? I'm going ready whenever you are. I'm ready. Delete, 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 delete. Stop. Three. (laughs) 
the huge pap. Oh, you'll see why in a second. Lacey Evans, I'm not going to do the whole gimmick because it might spoil it. Lacey Evans comes out tonight. Yeah, oh, what inspiration she is. She walks down to the ring and she gets on the mic and says, you know, I'm doing this for all the mums out there. And I may not be the best wrestler, but I'm the toughest. And I'm going to face my opponent and give it my all. Send them out of here. I'm going to hit them with a women's right. And it is Lacey Evans, Michael Cedric, tonight on Monday Night Raw against Hornswoggle. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that should be a heel, like. Yeah, it could have been Hideo Itami, could have been IRS, but no, it's a Hornswoggle. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it'd be a worse match if it was IRS, so bring on Hornswoggle. Oh, I'll tell you what, last second, Monday Night Raw pulled it out of the bag with that bit of booking. I can't wait for tonight's show now. Uh, let us know your thoughts ahead of Man and Hour Hour on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidrick at MSidgwick. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. If you want to know mine and Hamlet's thoughts on AW Double or Nothing, that is available as a podcast right now. And our raw review with myself and the Dadleys, including a five star review review where we review something short, crap, and wrestling related instead of a god awful raw segment. I think we're going to be spoiled for choice tomorrow. Um, and if you want to submit that, you can do that on iTunes by leaving us a five-star review. But subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for daily wrestling podcasts, as I said. And this has been the Raw Preview. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.